Welcome to the Quality Meet Scotland podcast. Industry updates and best practice to promote, support, develop and protect the Scottish red meat sector. Hello and thank you very much for downloading this QMS podcast. I'm Mark Stephen. Quality Meat Scotland are producing these technical podcasts. This week aims specifically at sheep farmers, both with commercial and stud flocks. We're going to be talking about the commercial value of performance recording and looking how it can allow farmers to pick and choose the right animals to enhance those traits for which they're actually getting paid, things like carcass attributes or growth rate. Joining me today are Sean Williams, farms manager at Bowhill Estate. Now they've got a really broad portfolio, mostly traditional beef and sheep units, but also poultry, venison and anaerobic digestion. They've got over 8,000 breeding ewes, including upland commercial crossbreds, purebred lines like Primeras, Aberdale and Abatex, and hillbred Cheviots and Blackies. They've been involved with something called the Ram Compare Project since 2016. John Scott is from Fern Farm in Easter Ross. He and his family have 4,000 breeding ewes, including stud Texels, New Zealand Suffolks, Aberfields and Beltex. They also use performance recording and hold their own Great From Grass Ram Sale on-farm every August. I'm going to start with you, Sean, for a start. How long have you been performance recording? We've been performance recording since 2015 on our stud use, but um, we were using uh, performance recorded rams way before that, basically. And how about you, John? We've been uh, performance recording uh, our stud Texel flock now for oh, 20 years um, since we first started recording them. So, um, and as we've got into, involved with other breeds, we've, we've started to record them as well. And Sean, how do you go about doing it? The core of the thing is you start obviously recording the details of the, the dams and the sires against the, uh, against the lambs. So that the basic principles of what we do with cattle recording, basically. But then you obviously do a lot more recording as far as laminies, weights and whatnot going forward. But the first thing you do to buy in a, a recorded drama at the start is a quicker way to bring the EVVs into the rest of the flock, basically. I said right at the top there that the whole idea of this is to be able to produce animals that got the attributes you particularly find desirable. So what attributes do you, Sean, find desirable? What, what are you after? And when you look from a commercial person for growing finishing lambs, what you want in the first instance is, is a lamb that lambs itself and grows as fast as possible off grass and probably to produce as many multiples as you can off the same use when you're running an upland flock. If you're in a hill situation, you're probably slightly different because you just probably want the one lamb, the ewe stays on the hill, produces that lamb and rears it, and then that's who you've got a, a decent lamb at the end of it. So there's a, there's a couple of different approaches there, I would say. Yeah, I would agree with Sean there. There are, there are different approaches for, for depending where you are. And I think when you're selecting rams, it's very important you think about what your, your aims and goals are for your flock. We very much... We're looking to produce a crossbred female on this farm that will hold her, her condition well. So we're looking for, for positive fat. So she'll, in the winter, where there's maybe slightly colder weather up in the north here, um, that she'll hold her, her condition through and, and survive on a forage-based diet. So that's one of the main things we're after. But at the same time, she's got to be able to have these lambs and have a decent number of lambs. So we're looking at the, the maternal ability and, the, and the, her stats there and what she'll produce. And we want her to produce a lamb that will finish off grass. As, as, as Sean says, the low-ground situation or the upland situation, um, you want a, a lamb way off grass if you can get it going as quick as possible. So looking at that eight-week weight and maternal ability are, are key stats for us, key components of the, the figures. 
You were saying earlier that you've been performance recording for 20 years. How has that improved your flocks in terms of efficiency, productivity? It's interesting. I think when we look at the graphs and how things have evolved over those 20 years, at the start, what we would select by eye and what might have the highest figures wouldn't um, be the same animal now. I think we've got a more consistent flock. The Texel flock, which is the one we're recording longest, quite a functional flock that do what we want um, them to do. They'll always scan around about 180%, which is what we want, where we want them to be. Um, and they use the winter really easily, plenty of flesh through the winter. I mean, they're producing rams for others to buy, but we're very aware that we're going to try and produce those rams in a commercial environment. So they have to, they have to work commercially um, like our commercial used to. We don't want them to get any extra attention. And at the start, we would have been creep feeding lambs and, and giving lambs supplement feeding, but that all stopped probably halfway through that 20-year process. So 10 years ago, suddenly the, the creep feeders were taken out of the fields and the, the lambs had to do it with the mother's assistance alone rather than getting extra grub. And, and that was quite interesting. It then really let us identify those ewes that were, were doing what, what they should do. In terms of, as I said, improving efficiency and productivity, Sean, I am assuming that this process is commercially advantageous. You know, it's going to show up on the bottom line. Yeah, the the you know we see a massive difference uh, between different rams we use on the on the low ground flock because we've been doing some recording and stuff on them to see how they how they progress. And um, you know, at the end of the day. It's pounds and pennies that pays at the end of the day. If you, especially when you're employing labour to run that flock, it's it's quite challenging at times to run a sheep flock and make a profit if you're paying a, a wage out of it. But uh, from our point of view, you know, when by using two different rams, for example, we can see you know massive differences in in the production of those lambs, how quick they finish off grass, because we, the the as John said, you know, we we look we concentrate on the eight week weights and look how well those lambs do off their own mothers. And grass, and then uh, so growth is probably one thing. Obviously, the the other the aspect is the, is the lambing ease when you when you go back to the shed or or when you're lambing them outdoor, you need to be able to lamb themselves. So that has an influence on how many uh, how much of a percentage you have reared at the end of it all. If you have two lambs to sell versus one off a ewe, there's a big difference there in in the output on that ewe. So there's a massive advantage to driving that uh, outcome based on the selection of these EBVs. As I was saying earlier, folk have been performance recording for years now. So tell me about Ram Compare. This is this is a ring fence funded project. How does it work? Yeah, so we got involved with Ram Compare in 2016. They were looking for a consistent flock of about 320 ewes, same breeding, and they could basically use six different rams on, on the flock, single-sired, mated, so we could record them right away through, just like what you do with cows and, and the recording system you do in, in, in for Signet. So you, you, we basically then followed those lambs through from, from the time they were conceived right the way through to the abattoir and, and looked at meat quality and all the rest of it within that project. So it's been really quite a detailed project on, on driving from data collected on farms. So we ourselves were quite keen to get involved in it because it allowed us to evaluate what our sheep flock was like versus the other seven farms in the trial at the time. And it also allowed us to uh, compare what uh, our meat sires were doing compared to the uh, rest of the industry that they were putting into us to compare. So, And this is not a breed comparison. This was a purely ram comparison. So you could have two Suffolks, for example, with two different uh, genetic merits. 
that would throw di two different results. So it's been quite interesting to see how that has progressed over a five-year period. So you've been looking at your particular farm. There's another seven farms doing this Ram Compare project. Are they, are they all doing the same breed? And if not, you know, how, how does it work? Because surely you're comparing apples and oranges. Yeah, so you could have you know seven different breeds of sheep potentially being used against all these different rams. And how they tied all the farms together was to put AI onto all the farms to, to tie the breeding together between them. So all the genetic was spread between all seven farms. So you could have a sheen producing these lambs and you could have a, our breed of ewes producing these lambs. And they would be comparable because they would be just the same sire, just a different ewe. But from that from that point of view, you know that that was an easy way to tie all the farms together. But as you say, yeah, you could get a, an apples and and the oranges situation where you you could have a different fifty percent of genetics making a difference. How do you actually cope with that, John? Because I mean, I'm saying you've, you've got stud texels, New Zealand, Suffolk, Aberfields, and Beltex, etc. You know, how do you compare the comparative merits of them? You know, is, is there is there a single metric you can apply to all of them? No. That, um they're not. That's why the, the Ram Compare project is so interesting that they are looking at it across the different breeds. We record ours and they recorded against each other within the flock, but also against other, for example, flocks of Texels on other farms. So we feed all of our data into a database that compares Texels against Texels, Suffolk's against Suffolk, Beltics against Beltics, and Aberfields against Aberfield. But the Ram Compare project is comparing those rams across the different breeds, which is quite exciting, really. And I think longer term, will we move to see the industry move to something that compares across different breeds? But as Sean said, you know, it is these different breeds have, have been selected to do different jobs. So you, you can't just focus on the index of each animal. It's what within those, it's a various different selection indexes within the final index that you've got to look at to see you know, what do you actually want to do. Do you just want to produce a prime lamb or do you want to produce a breeding female with a, an added value byproduct, if you like, in the weather lamb? So, yeah, it's just about selecting the right rams, the right breed, and then the right rams within the breed and the figures within the rams for your system and what you want to do. Basically, topography changes, climate changes, depending on where you are, weather conditions change. You know, you, you, you've got a lot of variables there. You've been doing this for three or four years now, Sean, this Ram Compare project. Were there any surprises in it? What did you learn from it? The thing that's been really interesting to us is that it's comparing the different sires. We know our, our sheep flock is pretty well a base sheep flock, same breeding pretty well right the way through. Um, they probably come off. Uh, blackie ewes that's been crossed with uh, you know four different sires so we've got a pretty consistent base flock to go and what was quite the, uh, interesting when you start comparing these different sires on them you know that it throws big differences purely on the on the choice of the ram and the ram the ram can determine quite a lot of difference and variance within these ewes you know we We've seen uh, probably three, four, five pound of difference in the the carcass merit on on these lambs when you come to sell the lambs and they sell quicker off grass and all the rest of it just because you've selected that certain ram. But, the, but then uh, when you when you take it back to the U level, because we've been recording these U's uh, against all the lambs, we can really really then look at the efficiency of the U. So, and that then really becomes really detailed because you. We've seen the variance there with, with uh, some of the RAM groups. There's been nearly 30, 30 to 40 pound a U difference in production and output. 
And that that is significant. You know, that's not something that you'd want to just roll over on. That's something you would want to look further into. And and I think there's there's definitely merit of, of using EBVs to select rams to give you that kind of genetic merit. EBVs, estimated breed values, just explain that. Yeah, so basically the the recording uh, John's been doing over a twenty-year period gives you gives you data, and um, the data basically looks at which lambs grow the most out of out of within the flock and within the breed, and then uh, so the growth is an easy one. But there's all different types of uh, breeding values. For example, lambing ease, uh, milk quality or ability. If you're looking at uh, the maternal side, there's also um, you know, fat cover and all the rest of it that's measured. So these are all breed values. That's basically an estimated breeding value on what that lamb or ram or ewe is carrying as a genetic merit. And you can select your breeding then to to use on your flock based on those figures. And generally in the past, it's been selected by eye, as John would say. There's a correlation there with between the eye and, and, and what you select there and what performs on the ground. But there, there is the odd wobbly one that will basically use yeah, on the figures is is a no go, but you would you would you would probably pick it by eye. What are the advantages, John, from a seller's point of view, of offering potential buyers performance recorded rams? Uh, we find our, our customers coming for rams first and foremost are looking for rams that are structurally correct and representative of the breed. So let, let's assume that they're good in the feet, their mouths are good, and they can move around the um, the fields easily. So we, that that's taken as a given because we, we have to have that. But then they're looking for the figures. So they're looking for, for rams that will do a job for them, whether it's on the side of a hill or a low ground park field. And they're, they're going and they're looking for the characteristics they need. So Sean's talked there a little bit about measuring output and you know, extra profit per you. Guys, we've got coming out to our sales and on the whole making a fairly good job of farming sheep, but they're looking to get that that little bit more out of their sheep flocks. So they're looking for more profit and they're looking to select the, 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 these rams. Um, we might have a, a, somebody with black face use, for example, that's coming to buy an Aberfield ram. Um, so they're looking for something fairly stretchy with a good fleece, um, but also has the good, the good maternal characteristics and figures so they'll get as many lambs as possible. They'll, they'll be looking to breed a crossbred ewe from that that'll go on to a low ground flock. So they'll come and focus hard on maternal ability whereas somebody with a low ground flock that might not have that that crossbred you already will come and they'll be looking for a lamb that will finish very quickly so good eight week weights and uh, good muscle something they're going to these lambs are going to get sold to the butcher or to the supermarket we find a lot of our buyers now are very much focusing on figures because they know the rest of what we're doing is fine they're just coming to focus on figures especially if they're buying on behalf of Someone else, they know that the, the, the owner knows that if they buy high figured rams, they can follow right, right the way through and get that, that money in the bank at the end of the day. I was saying earlier that every year you normally hold a, a great from grass ram seal on your farm every August. Is it happening this year? It, it is happening this year. We're not quite sure what the format will be. We are looking at various options. I, I think there's no reason why we can't have a seal, but I think we'll have to have an element of online and yeah we will have a sale um, but we've got to put people's health uh, first and if we do have a sale on the farm it'll be very much under uh, very strict COVID-19 rules and regs so um, yes hopefully we'll have a sale on 28th of August 
but we'll just we'll have to make a decision soon of what the style is going to be. The reason I was mentioning that is because in the past, if you know the farmer was using his eye, but you all your rams are performance recorded, the figures are actually more important than what you see in front of you. They are, and it's interesting when you look at some of the guys in New Zealand and Australia. A lot of them won't even go and see the rams. They'll phone their regular person, they buy the rams every year and tell them, we would like X number of rams. These are the traits we're looking for. Please select them and deliver them. And from a, the seller's point of view, the onus is then on us to really make sure we nail that product and make sure the product is exactly what they're asking for. So we've done that already this year. We, we have selected some rams that we would normally sell privately for people later in the season. They've come looking for them earlier and we've selected them on the criteria we've been given and so the onus is on us to make sure we get the right product for the customer. I find that quite exciting. We have to find out more about our customer and our customer's needs and that's what we want to do as a ram breeder. We want to understand what our customer wants because we want that customer coming back every year to buy rams um, and, and they need to have ultimate faith in our product. Um, and, that, and that the figures that go with the RAM do the job. You know, it's going to, what it says on the side of the tin, that's going to work. Sean, if folk listening to this aren't already doing it, what, what's the best way to start performance recording? I would say the easiest way to get into it quicker is basically to, if you've got a sheep flock that you know that's got potential, you, you, you want to record, you, the first aspect is you need to record the basics. For example, your uh, what sire went to them, what the tags and the details of, of each dam and sire is for, for the flock. You probably need to be recording eight-week weights. You probably need to be recording a weaning weight, and you probably need to be looking at the ewes as far as the weight of the ewes and the condition scoring of the ewes probably twice twice or three times a year. That would give you the basic structure of what you need to record. But I would say the easiest way to get figures into that flock is to buy a ram in that's already recorded and then that will give you a standard within that flock which then uh, you can you can judge those lambs against lambs that's not been recorded which will which will automatically credit them or or, or dismiss them on on quality if that makes sense I agree with what Sean said I think speaking to the breed society as well for example Suffolk you speak to them they would point you in the right direction and I think very quickly you'll get across flock comparisons. So once you've recorded for a year, you'll, you'll see where you are in relation to, to other flocks. I, and I agree, go and purchase a, a ram with, with good figures. You may actually find that there'll be, there will be genetic links with your sheep to another flocks already. So the breed society, maybe or the, whoever does the performance recording for the breed society, may be able to give you an indication of where your figures are already with your with your ewe flock, and then, yeah, buy a recorded ram and use over that flock and then see where you are. You might, these people might be, um, are recording just now, might be pleasantly surprised with where their, their figures actually came out. But uh, I would also say just because you start recording and you get high, high index sheep, don't alter your culling policy. I think as ram breeders, we've got a responsibility to cull hard and make sure only the best rams um, and getting forward to the marketplace in terms of confirmation, breed characteristic structure, but obviously bringing better figure, higher figure rams forward is where we're all aiming for, but don't let the other, anything else slip. Rams only part of the equation. 
I mean, one last question for me. Which do you think is most important, terminal or maternal traits? I mentioned at the start, we're, we're starting to record a hill flock just now. So that flock is purely, we're looking at maternal traits uh, on that flock because we wanted to produce replacements in the line. Whoever's going to be buying the rams off that flock is going to be buying rams to, to use on their own new flock to produce their own replacements and all the rest of it. So maternal traits is 100% for that flock. We then have the upland flock on the low ground, uh, or what I would call low ground, but it's not arable ground. They're crossbred ewes producing uh, cross lambs purely for the for the marketplace. That is a, a sire then you need is, is purely for, for terminal or, or meat sires. So so the terminal the terminal indexes is 100% important for that flock. So I, I don't think the two compete unless you have a flock that you want to do a bit of both. And, and that's, the, that's the time you need to select. So if you have a, a flock that you want to produce maternal replacements, but you also want to produce some form of fat lambs out of them as well. So but I would say the maternal always has a merit if you've got that type of flock because 100% what you need is the replacements. John? Sean's given the correct answer. However, as a breeder of livestock, I would always focus on producing a breeding flock, so the maternal side first, and then I would go to the terminal. But that's just as, uh, you know, I enjoy breeding livestock, and, I, you know, we started performance recording short runs, uh, beef short run cattle 20 years ago as well, and my, I've always been focused on building a herd and building a, a good herd of cows with the terminal side, the, the male side coming afterwards. But no, Sean has answered that well. It's, it's Both are important, and equally important. And it's very exciting. I think some of the, the modern technology we have at our fingertips now that will let us gather data on more than just a stud flock, so the bigger, wider commercial flock as well. And it's much easier now with modern technology to, to gather that data on that ewe and you know, Sean's running 8,000 ewes there, he'll have a lot of data on those ewes. In days gone by, you would have had shepherds looking after a far smaller number of ewes, so they had a much greater understanding of each and every, every ewe. But now shepherds are, have to, purely economically, look after greater numbers, and we have this technology now to get more data. Plus, we've got this EB, the EBVs to help. It's just fantastic. But, yeah. So I'll probably sit in the fence slightly, but um, err towards the turtle. I think you've both been extremely even-handed. John Scott and Sean Williams, thank you both very much for your time. Thank you for listening to the Quality Meat Scotland podcast. For news and to listen back to previous episodes of the podcast, visit qmscotland.co.uk. For Scotch beef, Scotch lamb and specially selected pork recipe videos and inspiration, visit www.scotchkitchen.com or follow Scotch Kitchen on Facebook, Instagram or Twitter.